Welcome to Love Your Family Again and Again and Again and Again, the podcast where we focus on parenting with love and clarity. I'm your host, Dr. Marcy, a family culture expert who for over 20 years has been helping parents to create happy and strong families. And today I am joined by Lala. Welcome. Thanks, Marcy. So tell us a little bit about your family. So I am a single mother uh, to a lovely daughter who is seven years old, turning eight, and she is currently in uh, third grade. No, yes, third grade. So complicated when they keep going through those grades. It's so hard to keep track of. It really (laughs) is. First day of school just happens over and over again. The numbers less relevant. Agreed. (laughs) Absolutely. So what is one of your favorite memories with your daughter? I love spending time with her when it is, when I'm fully present and when she is fully present and we uh, play games, we go to the park. Um, Lately, we've been getting into a lot more card games and board games. And it's really fun to, to see the competitive side of her, but then also the strategy side come through as she's getting older and she can handle more complex strategy type games and whatnot. And it's, it's really fun to, to see her grow and to see her mind and how it's developing over time. Very fun. So we always want to start with goodness because we sometimes forget to remember the good stuff. Yes. Okay. What's your favorite game to play with her? Oh, so lately we have been doing this new game called taco cat cheese. I'm getting the wrong order. It's a card game. Uh, taco cat cheese goat pizza, something like that. Anyways, it is so fun. It's so hysterical. Um, she loves to be competitive, but she also is, is like, no, that's not fair. I don't want to take the cards. And it's, it's a game of getting rid of all your cards. So if you mess up, you have to take cards and, um, she does not like that. Let's put it that way. Winning and losing at games. It's a real skill. (laughs) Yes, it is. And we are working on it. (laughs) Yes. I will admit that I sometimes like to cheat at games when I'm playing with kids in order to encourage them to use their voice about how they're feeling to fix the situation as opposed to use their bodies when they're really mad. Yeah. I, I don't, um, I don't cheat, but I also don't let her win. And so that, um, (laughs) that's probably a better parenting move. For sure. Yeah. I will say that that parenting move of always letting your child win ends up making it hard when they're playing with peers. Definitely. Yes. Uh, there have been times where she'll, she'll actually ask me why her peers are struggling with things when she's playing with them or when they're, uh, when they might be having a little bit of a meltdown, she definitely is like, what's going on? Why is, why is that happening? Because I guess the dynamic between her and I is very different than with her and her friends. So there is a little bit of an education gap in terms of understanding what's happening in various family dynamics that are not our own. So, um, so yes, that is a a struggle for when she's playing with me versus when she's playing with her peers. Cause it's different. And especially as a single mom with an individual child, the two of you have so much time together that that's really where she's gotten so much information about how to be a human. Yeah. So now then when she's with her friends and it's different, I love that she has the awareness to put language to it and find the words and then ask about it. She's curious, which is great, but it does make it difficult then to try to explain what might be going on or why that dynamic is different. Like why someone is getting upset over something that she wouldn't get upset over. And, uh, so I do, 
I do struggle sometimes to, to explain what's going on and not explain, but just kind of let her be open to it and, and not judge for what's happening. So, so that can is, you give me an example? So, uh, yes. So in, in particular, there was a time where, um, her friend and her were playing. I want to say it was on the playground or something, but then her mother and I were saying, okay, well, we should probably wrap up soon. And one of the, her, her friend, um, I'm just going to say M is the name of her friend. So M was uh, getting upset that she had to leave and she didn't want to leave. And so then she started having almost like a temper tantrum and was, was wailing-ish. Wailing isn't probably the right word, but definitely loud, uh, vocal uh, disapproval of what was going on. And I remember Valencia looking at me and going, uh, what's happening? Like, why is she getting this upset? And I go, well, you know, maybe she's tired. Maybe she's hungry. Maybe she's just not feeling good right now, but it was a real hard struggle to get her to understand that because it was, it was probably more, uh, vocal than what she would be, or it was way, and it was also like in public and, and my daughter doesn't tend to, she'll do those things when it's with me in our house, <laughs> but not in front of strangers, so to speak, or, or out in public type of situation. So, um, so I think she was a little confused that somebody would, would act that way, uh, in such a, a, a public space, so to speak. Yeah. I think the, when questions like that come up in real time in front of another person's child who's having a hard yeah. time in front yeah. of the other parent. Yeah. It can be almost like a deer in headlights moment. Like, Oh no, what, how do I, how do I teach my child while being graceful about somebody else's child? Especially when it's in front of some, yes, yes. exactly that. So a couple of things that you can do. One is say, you know, I don't know, but she's having some big feelings. Because talking to kids about the fact that we feel things in our body is helpful. And then rather than talking about why she's doing it, help Valencia problem solve to what do you think we could do to help her feel better? Um, okay. Right. So we okay. go to the, if my friend's having a hard time, how can I help them? Mm -hmm. As opposed to how can I understand it? Because the truth is we don't always understand why our friends do what they do. That's true. So that's okay. one option. The other option is to draw the parallel between what her friend is doing and what she has done in the past. So saying, hey V, remember two weeks ago when we were home and I said it was time to get in the bath and you really didn't want to and you ran around the apartment and screamed and cried and tried to wiggle away from me every way possible. Yeah. And she'll go, uh-huh, why are you bringing that up mom? Give you that look that <laughs> yes. I'm sure she gives you. Oh, she does, yep. And then say, so that's your version of this. My guess is that your friend M is feeling like you felt in that moment. Uh, okay. So we're drawing okay. parallels that different experiences bring on potentially same feelings for different people. Okay. Right. And then the third option is to say to her, you know, well, let's think about it. It, what feeling does it look like she's having right now? Hmm. Have Valencia guess because we don't know. So mm -hmm. we're taking guess mm -hmm. and say, you know, why might she be feeling that way? Maybe, you know, it, you gave her the list of like, she might be hungry or tired or disappointed or frustrated, or she wanted to stay and play more. Yeah. And I love that you gave the possibilities and having your daughter come up with some of them with you builds her emotional intelligence. Okay. Builds her okay. compassion muscle. 
And, and this is all, again, something that I can do with her right in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So my rule is always talk about children in front of them the way it would feel good to be talked about yourself. Okay. Which if I'm having a hard time and someone's in the corner going, oh gosh, I see that Dr. Marcy's having a hard time. What could I do to help her? Oh, maybe we could try this. Oh, maybe we could try that. I feel cared for. Mm-hmm. And I might be able to say that I want, I want you to do that thing. Right. Yeah, because I didn't yeah. even know myself, but hearing you say, maybe she needs a hug. I could ask her. I'm going to feel better about that. Okay. If you're saying what is going on over there? Well, that's going to feel crappy to anybody. So right. don't talk about it that way. Right. Right. Okay. Right. And if Valencia does that, because kids say all sorts of, all things, sorts of things in all sorts of ways, <laughs> you can say, you know what, Valencia? if you were feeling upset right now and someone said that, how would that make you feel? So that she can, oh, I wouldn't like, I'd feel judged or I'm not sure that your seven-year-old would say that, but that'd feel yucky. Yeah, yeah. And you can say, okay, well, so how can you ask that question differently? So that in real time, and that's always like a great parenting, keep it in your back pocket of like, how would you feel if someone talked to you that way? Okay. Right, Okay. okay, well, so how can we do that differently? How can we say that with kindness? Okay whatever version of that kind of feels right for you and your dynamic. There's lots of ways to say the same thing. So it's, it's not even all the time explaining things. It's more asking, asking questions for them to think of answers. Yes. Uh, It's both and. Okay. Okay. So it's more of a conversation than a dialogue. Got it. Okay. There are certain things that she doesn't know. Right. But the thing that I love about kids is that when you ask them a question, they come up with things that you never expected. And sometimes that never expected thing is completely <laughs> off the wall and You're somewhere like, very far from, <laughs> yeah. from where we want to be. Yeah. But sometimes it's a beautiful perspective that we never thought of. Okay. So you might say, why might she be doing it? And V might go, oh, well, this other kid on the playground said this other mean thing before, and maybe she's really upset about it. And I could tell her it's not true. Yeah. Okay. And you'd be like, I didn't, A, I didn't know that happened. And B, I love that you're going to go tell her it's not true because cool. But if we just always assume that our children don't know and go in and teach them, mm-hmm. two things happen. One, they never have to think for themselves, mm-hmm. which we don't want to be the case. We want them to think and problem solve. And two, they might not listen. Yeah. Ever have someone who just comes at you and tells you a whole bunch of things, like maybe a boss giving you feedback on something you've done that is not particularly interesting to you. And you just sit there and you've learned to like nod and make eye contact, but your mind is on a beach somewhere. Oh, V does that to me. Right. <laughs> I'll be like, blah, 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 blah. And she goes, mom. Yeah. I'm, I'm not listening anymore. And I go, what? And she goes, yeah, no, mom. I'm, I, that, that's enough. I'm, I'm done. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Super great information. <laughs> now. She's not always going to tell you that she does that. Yeah. Right. But knowing that she does, it's honest. Kids are so awesome, (laughs) honest. And that's what makes them awesome. Yeah. So when she tells you that, listen, which means talk less, ask questions more, which we've just talked about. Okay. Because if she's engaged in the conversation, but also shorter conversations. Okay. We as adults want to keep going. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And because our kids aren't listening anymore. Mm -hmm. 
we explain it a different way, hoping now they'll start listening yeah. and they still have that glazed look. So we try to explain it a different way and they still look glazed over. And then yeah. we try to explain it a different way rather than realizing they've tuned out and we've lost them uh-huh. and we need to stop and have a conversation another time or go into okay. more action steps. Okay. But if there is a behavior of Valencia telling you, mom, I'm not listening, then you need to start the habit of talking less and asking questions more so that she doesn't have a habit of tuning you out. Okay. Okay. All right. That's helpful. So now I, I I'm listening to you talk just now. I have another example of, of a time. So the asking questions and getting her to, to converse more sounds like a fantastic idea. And I am definitely going to work on using that tactic. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> the other so within the last, uh, I think it was like the end of last school year, there was an incident that happened and, um, it was, I want to say it was local, but it might've been national, but regardless, there was an incident that the school was closed and we, a tragic incident, a tragic incident that okay. occurred. Um, I don't want to mention it just so I, I don't want to like bring up any, any, uh, any sensitivities to it, but, um, the school was closed. And all of the parents, uh, we all agreed that we would talk to our kids about the incident ourselves and encourage the kids to not talk about it in school, just in case a parent hadn't had the time yet to broach that topic with their child. Uh, And so when Valencia came home from school, I said, okay, so um, this event occurred. And as a result, you are going to be off school tomorrow do you have questions? Do you want to talk about this? And, um, the answer was, okay, so I'm off school tomorrow. Yeah, you're off school tomorrow. Okay, great. And do you want to talk about it? Why you're off school? What happened? What this means for you, what this means for your safety, et cetera. No, I'm good. And, and I really did what you just kind of talked about. Cause I was trying to get her to open up and she was just really, she really just shut down. And I remember, I think I reached out to you and I was like, um, um, I was like, is this normal? Like, is, is she, <laughs> why, why does she not have any emotions about this? Like what, how do I even know what her perspective is? Cause some of the other parents were saying how their kids were really concerned and engaged and asking lots of questions and saying, am I going to be safe? What's going to happen? Why do these things happen? And Valencia was like, no, I'm good. And, and literally with the way I'm saying it, that was her attitude. Nah, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, I'm good. And I was really concerned. I was like, oh, uh, um, uh, oh okay. I was like, this, this felt to me like it was not a very good emotionally intelligent part of her. And yet I feel like so many times she is in tune with what's going on with, with events emotionally wise and intelligent emotion, EI wise. But, um, but this was not, I was really nervous about this kind of case. Yeah. So, um, first I just want to mark that was a time. lot of rambling. I apologize. It was a lot of <laughs> description yes. from a concerned parent. Yes. So all of the words are welcome. <laughs> One, two, I just want to mark time by saying that it is October of 2022 that we are recording it this. So the past two and a half years have been filled with unfortunately, multiple tragic events that we've had to talk to our kids about. Yes. Um, I want to applaud you for actually having that conversation with your child about whatever event it was, because it can feel really hard to talk to our young kids about these very grown up and scary situations. 
that are impacting our lives, it's also really important to find a way to communicate with them about it. So good job on doing that, very genuinely doing the hard thing. Um, And also very human of you to be concerned that your kid's reaction wasn't right. Because we have many, many models that when you tell your children hard things, they should be in tears. They should have lots of questions. They should, you know, this is what it should look like. Exactly. This is what it should look like. This is what it should look like. This is what normal is. A normal response. Quote unquote normal. (laughs) Yes. Right. There's air quotes. There's air quotes. You can't see them because we're audio. (laughs) There's air quotes. (laughs) Quote unquote normal responses of children don't exist. Just like the rest of us, some of us get big information and we process it right away and we feel all the feelings right away and we get overwhelmed and we express it. That often is my path. Yeah. However, there are lots of other people, lots and lots of other people who get really big information and go into action mode. Okay. What do I need to do? What do I need to get? Where do I need to go? Who do I need to talk to? How do I manage this? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Think about all of the people that were hoarding toilet paper, right? What can I do? Because (laughs) action helps us feel safe. Yes. So some people won't feel in the moment that they hear big news. They just go into action. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then there's a third category. And Valencia, it sounds like is more in that third category, or at least in this moment was in this third category of, I get big news. I hear it. It goes into the back of my head and I will process it at some other time and have a reaction or not later. Okay. Right. But we all need to process information and process our feelings in our own way. And just like with grief, there's no right or wrong way to do it. And because we have talked about this incident before, I know that it was only a couple months ago. So it was after about two years of big event after big event after big event of schools being closed and then reopened and then closed. And then we don't know. And then you can't go today, but the rest of your class is there and all of these changes. So the fact that she heard that there was a big event and school got closed and that's what she focused on makes her a kid because kids by nature are, how does this impact me? What, what does this mean for me? I don't have to go to school. I get a free day to play. Cool. And if that's the piece she took away, that's okay. Genuinely. Okay. Because you see all of these other emotionally intelligent moments. It's not that across the board, she never cares about anybody else. She doesn't care about what's happening in the world. She doesn't think about other people. That's not your kid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as long as you're seeing these other markers, they're going to have moments where they go, but I get to play more tomorrow. Awesome. (laughs) And the rest of that was the only thing she was concerned about. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like the Charlie Brown teacher that goes, wah, 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 wah. So she heard, hey, V. Tomorrow you don't get to school. Now maybe that information went into the back of her head and she'll process it later. And in a week from that conversation, she's going to go, mom, what happened? What does this mean? And come with a bunch of questions. Right. Or maybe like she tunes you out sometimes she didn't hear the rest of it and she's fine. Yeah. Or maybe when she goes to school, her teacher or the other kids are going to be talking about it and she'll ask them questions. But you've already shared enough that we know she knows how to ask questions. She is curious. She does care about other kids. So that line of, is this individual action, this individual response, this individual moment representative of who she is as a whole? No. Okay. Is it outside what we 
see as quote unquote normal in all of the ways that we see things. Mm -hmm. Yes. But that is a fallacy of what is true for kids, which is part of why I wanted to start this podcast and have these conversations. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think that was the hard part for me too, is that I do see moments of mental clarity, not clarity, but just a a, a mental maturity, if you want to call it that. She understands certain concepts. Like I feel like I really do try to have the talks with her because I don't feel like my mother did them with me when I was younger. So trying to change that narrative and trying to change that relationship, right? with, With my own daughter. But then there are times where I'm like, oh, she's really just still like a seven-year-old. Like, yes. It's, it's, so there's, so there's this, there's this um, desire to really educate and promote emotional intelligence and get her to understand these like complicated social dynamics and whatnot. And then other times I'm like, dang it, she's just not getting it. <laughs> well, and here's what you need to remember. Here's what you need to remember is that it is not a one and done. Okay. It is not this one incident and this one conversation indicates her overall emotional intelligence. Okay. Having difficult conversations with our kids is an ongoing experience that we have to keep going with. Okay. Her emotional intelligence, her way of seeing the world, her sensitivity, her heart, you building those, those strengths is a lifetime process. So as long as you are touching in on a regular basis. And I would say weekly, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if there aren't big world events, but just being like, Hey, I was thinking about this thing in the world, mm-hmm. or we should go through our clothes and find a few things to donate or, you know, however you want to do it in your family, but have these touchstones of these big, important milestones that you want to talk about mm-hmm. on a regular basis, which okay. means some days, as you see, Valencia is going to get it and be on it. And some days she's not. And that's how we all are with all of the things. And it's the cumulative effect that you're looking for. The, if we have one conversation a week, every week of the year, did she get 20 of those touchstones Mm -hmm. out of the 52 you tried to have? Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Okay. Compared to, you know, you said that you didn't have any of those conversations growing up and yet you still grew up to be a wonderful person in the world. Oh, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) So if you did that with no touch points intentionally created, right. imagine the advantage that your daughter will have when you are intentionally creating those conversations, those spaces, and those, con- those connection points. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right, so it's, you are tipping the scales towards her being able to see all those things for good. And the moments she doesn't get it are just that, the moments she doesn't get it. And we all have those moments. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And when it comes to things that feel superficial of, I know that I should get up early and go to the gym versus I want to sleep in for an extra half hour and we choose to sleep in, we're like, well, I didn't take care of myself today. But when it comes to the right response in an emotional conversation, all of a sudden we have big judgments. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But they're the same. Okay. As long as we get to the gym some of the time or do things that are good for our body some of the time. Cause right. let's be honest, I don't go to the gym, but I do things that are good for my body. Some of the time I'm, I'm winning. It doesn't have to be in all of the time. Same thing with emotional intelligence of our kids. Sometimes they're going to be kids. And sometimes your seven-year-old will have, will demonstrate a three-year-old's emotional response. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. your seven-year-old will demonstrate a 
a 13 or 23 year old's response yeah. to an emotional situation. Yeah. And that range is very human of her. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and for us as the grownups to go, oh, this is okay. You are still a wonderful person. All is still well here. Yeah. Helps our kids not pick up on that fear because that's really what we want. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I think that's the, that's the balance is trying to have open dialogues, but not push so that they don't feel like I'm sort of like she in particular doesn't feel like I'm bombarding her with questions. Cause then like you said earlier, she'll just shut, she'll just shut down. Like if it's, it's like a fine line between like, I'm trying to get you interested in what I'm talking about. And I'm trying to ask some questions so I can find out more what's going on. But if I ask too many, then you're going to shut me down and you're going to block me off and I won't find any information out. Yes. <laughs> and that is the balance of being a parent, right? Oh, Sometimes yeah. you land right on that sweet spot of that line. A lot of times you land on the, I went too far. Oh yeah. And a lot of times you, you, you went not as deep as you had thought you could. And that is okay because it's the sum of the total, not every individual conversation. Yeah. All right. I frequently get told that I ask too many questions and then- By then, Valencia? By Valencia, yeah. She's like, mom, she's like, stop asking questions. I don't want to talk about it. So then- Exactly in that voice too. Like literally exactly. Well, we're going to talk about whining <laughs> in a different time and place, but that is very kid-like, okay. right? So we'll talk about whining another time. And when your kids give you feedback, listen. Okay. So we can't ask our kids to change if we're not willing to change. So if she's repeatedly saying, mom, you asked too many questions, try, mm -hmm. work on asking less. Okay. And if you ask three questions and she's engaged and then you're like, all right, cool. Let's go play turkey, cow, pizza, <laughs> goat. I don't know what the game is, but it sounds great. Um, she's going to be more interested in having those big conversations with you because they are just touchstones mm. and our kids only need little moments to get a whole lot okay. of impact. Cause they're okay. also watching. Yeah. Smaller moments, less questions. Okay. More often. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Sounds like a prescription. Like take this, take this medicine every three days for, <laughs> I'm not that kind of doctor. <laughs> no, but it's, and but yes. <laughs> Well, I, I, I work in the medical field and, and that sounds very uh, familiar. Let's put it this way. A, okay. A recipe, a prescription of sorts, not necessarily medicinal, but definitely a, uh, a do this for X many days over this much time. And this is the result you'll get. <laughs> so that to me is good parenting. When we take the big concepts, mm -hmm. which we just talked about, you know, how to navigate big conversations with your kids and turn that into an action so that you have a takeaway to go do. Yeah. And then you do it just like the conversations. You do it more often than you don't, you're winning. Yeah. So let's wrap up here. If you were to have one big takeaway, which maybe is the prescription, maybe it's something else we <laughs> talked about. What is your one big action step that you will go take back to your family? Ask fewer questions more frequently. And I like the idea of starting with three and seeing how she responds, because maybe the first question didn't resonate with her. So asking three questions, and if she has zero response, great, I'll drop it. I can bring it up another time. If she follows up with more information, then we can have a bigger dialogue. But I, I, do, like, I do like the idea of three questions, no response, 
then, uh, then I'll drop it. Awesome. Well, I am excited to hear how it goes. So please let me know. I will. Thank you so much for being here, Lala. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Thank you. Yes. And for you out there listening, let us know which is your one takeaway that you are going to go put in place. What are the situations that maybe you're going to start asking less questions? And what are some future topics that would be helpful for you to hear on this podcast? If you want to know more information about me or resources so that I can help your family, go to drmarcy.com. That's D-R-M-A-R-C-I-E.com. And I'll see you on the next episode. Bye.